You're listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of How She Creates. Today I'm talking with Melissa from January Jewelry all about the process of slow creating, metal smithing, and we even named Kim and Kanye's next baby. So come help us start a new internet rumor today. Welcome to How She Creates. I'm your creative fairy godmother, Lauren. I'm here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite makers to learn how they create. We'll discuss what it means to live a creative lifestyle, the best resources and tools for making, where to find inspiration, and so much more. I hope these conversations encourage you to make more stuff and share it with the world so we can all see how you create. How She Creates is sponsored by Get Messy Art Journal. Get Messy is an art journal membership community that shares tutorials, inspirations, prompts, challenges, and more each week. Get Messy's goal is to help you nurture your creativity, become the artist you desire to be, and find your creative community. When you sign up for Get Messy's mailing list, you get access to three free classes. One on how to find your creative style, introduction to Art Journal 101, and Art Journal 102, Elevate Your Art Journaling. Get Messy has an amazing community of artists who are waiting to welcome and support you in your art journey. Learn more and sign up for Get Messy in their awesome newsletter at getmessyartjournal.com. Hi guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. I'm really excited for you to hear the conversation that Melissa and I have. We talk a lot about creative small business and about the slow creation process. And I know some of you are not business owners and so you're not super interested in that, but I think it's really important that as makers and as creatives that we understand more about the process and what is what goes on behind the scenes of running a creative small business so that we can better appreciate what is happening whenever we're supporting these artists and that it helps it can help inform our creative process also when we look and see people who we really admire as makers who are turning out a lot of really great work to learn more about their process so melissa is going to share so much about you know how she finds inspiration how she learned and how she started metal smithing and making jewelry and she talks a lot about collaboration and supporting other artists and I really really love it. So you can find her at januaryjewelryshop.com and on Instagram at januaryjewelry. I really encourage that you go take a look at her work as we're starting the interview because it's really really beautiful and very unique and so I cannot wait for you to see that. So I hope you really enjoy today's conversation and you follow along and you can grab all the show notes at Lauren likes.com slash podcast. That's where you can get all the show notes and links that we're talking about and you can connect with our artists and with me. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Do you want to go ahead and do a quick introduction of who you are for us? Sure. So I'm Melissa Giglio. I am the creator and designer and jewelry maker of January Jewelry. And I've been doing this for up to five years now. Um, and I'm loving it. Yeah. I am so excited to have you on because your jewelry is so, so beautiful. Um, and so I'm so excited to talk about the jewelry making process. Um, and would you consider yourself in the slow maker movement with slow maker? Do you mean like slow fashion ethically sourced or like, I don't want to be in the hustle bustle of life all the time. (laughs) I, th- I think that's a great question. I think there's a lot of definitions of this term. Um, 
I, yeah, so I think a little bit of both because I definitely, you know, you do an incredible job on Instagram of sharing your process and I like see you hand filing down mm-hmm. silver um, and I've taken a few jewelry making classes um, where, you know, we've done that and it is a very long and slow and tedious process. And so I know that you, you know, you don't have hundreds of pieces in your shop at a time because I know right. it takes you a while to make them. Right. I definitely, you know, I don't have lots of components that are pre-made. Part of like, you know, my metal smithing process is the fact that I create something truly from scratch, from start to finish. My design comes from a sheet of metal that I, I cut out. Um, and you know, the materials that I use, um, I, I source from companies here in the United States. Um, the stones that I use are, um, American mind and I worked, uh, directly with the lapidary artists who, who cut them and polish them. Uh, and I just absolutely love the process from start, you know, making something from the very, very beginning from, you know, entirely from scratch. Um, but as far as the slow maker movement too, as like, you know, the hustle and bustle of life, um, I, I think it's very important to, also have rest because if you keep going and going and work so hard and and don't give yourself rest, you kind of are, you're on the path to burnout. And so, you know, last year I really, I was almost, I was working too hard thinking that was the only way for me to be successful and the only way for me to grow. And I actually was sick a lot. And I think it was because I was not giving myself um, breathing moments, rest moments. And so I'm really careful this year with, um, you know, how I create and when I create and taking time for myself. And it actually makes a huge difference when I actually am in the studio working. Um, I don't feel burnout. I'm not stressed and I'm enjoying every second of it. So that's important. All right. This is already going to be an awesome conversation. So oh, good. <laughs> can we can we jump back a little bit and can you tell us your creative story of how, how you fell in love with creativity and kind of how you got to where you are in making jewelry now? Okay. So I think, I think art and uh, it's just in my genes. My mother is an artist. Um, I grew up uh, very creatively. I was voted most artistic in high school. I don't know. It's just kind of always been a part of me. Um, and I had, uh, a little neighbor friend when I grew up and we would always create things together and time just, you know, seemed to fly by. Um, I loved working with my hands and, you know, I grew up in a small town, um, where our art classes were truly only drawing and painting. I did not actually have, um, any type of 3D working, you know, growing up as far as metals or clay. You know, my cousin who was an intern for me this summer, her high school does all of that. I didn't have any of that until I hit college. And so in my design two class, there was an assignment um, where we had to depict a scene in with 3D materials. Um, So that was something very new for me. And my professor took me up to the metal studio and, you know, told me to, you know, here, use this. <laughs> so um, with some help, I, you know, cut and formed this metal and I used a hammer and I was in this studio with fire and torches. And I, and I was like, this is literally 
this is literally the coolest thing ever because my vision to depict this scene that was my assignment was truly coming to life with materials that I had never used before. So growing up, you know, working with my hands, painting, drawing, and then to, to change it so drastically to this 3D form where ideas in my head came to life that way, I was, I mean, I was hooked. And the rest is history there with metal design. <laughs> oh. oh, that is awesome. Yeah. That's such like a powerful description. I mean, it was um. captivating. I mean, I've never been, it just, I was so excited to be in that studio. It was so different. And I mean, so that's kind of a short version of the creative story and, and, and my journey with it. But, um, you know, it really, it, it came full circle when I was able to, to draw something and then form it, you know, and, and bring it to life in a 3d way. And in college, it wasn't jewelry. It was very fine art metal design crafting where we made bowls and these crazy things that took 40 hours to create. I mean, it was ridiculous. So it's really, it's, that is an interesting process of how my fine art background has kind of evolved to be something that is sustainable and sellable and, you know, something reproducible. Not that everything that I make is a replica of the, but you know, like I can't spend 40 hours on a piece. I wouldn't make any money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man. So can you tell us how January jewelry got started then from there? Sure. So with college, my degree is in art education and metal design. And, um, when I graduated, I was working at a jewelry company, um, a commercial jeweler, um, where they sold, you know, the commercial jewelry. And I was just helping in the back in the repair department, polishing repairs and doing all of that. And I liked it, but it wasn't really what I went to school for as far as like metal design and creating, um, was concerned. It was different. Um, and so the other element to my degree was art education. So I really thought, you know, let me teach art for a little bit because I don't quite have a handle on what I want to do with this skill that I have right now. And so I taught art for five years at a K through art at a K through eight, um, small little school in the country. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and you know, I'm a teacher at heart too. So it really was wonderful. But, um, when my husband got out of the military and we moved in the middle of the school year, that was really a point for me to, to try, um, you know, business and, and try making jewelry and selling it and really taking time for myself. This was also before I had my daughter. And so I really had a lot of time to kind of like get started and to focus on that. Um, and January jewelry. So my last name is Julio and it doesn't sound or look like that. Um, when you see how it smells, looks like Giglio or something. So Giglio jewelry sounded pretty, but no one was going to say it right. And I'm born in January. So January jewelry was formed. And um, Etsy was also very new at that point because it was about Etsy was about three or four years old. Um, but I opened a little Etsy shop and it, it took four months before my first sale. But, you know, Instagram was very also very new. Everything was very, very new. And it's been an it's been amazing to see how social media on Instagram and how Etsy has evolved and how it's truly helped makers make a living. I mean, that was not the case when I graduated college in 2008. That was literally the beginning of Etsy. So, uh, yeah. So 2012 was when I started January Jewelry. 
and slowly but surely sold things online, did some local markets, um, and it's just evolved and, you know, little by little grown, grown up. Yeah. I, I can't wait for people to actually see your jewelry because it's very different um, than what I think um, people really think about when they think of handmade mm. things. Because, you know, I make jewelry too. Like I can go to Hobby Lobby and buy some like cheap beads and string them together on a necklace. Mm-hmm. But it's so, so different from from what you're making in the metal work. Yeah. And so I I, I just love that idea of that your pieces, you know, really are truly one of a kind. And, you know, you spend so much time working and, and you know, pouring yourself into hand making these items. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also, I kind of want to like dwell on the fact that it took you four months to make a sell. Because yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, so many people get started and they're like, it's going to happen right away. And then they're so you know, downtrodden when nothing happens. Well, my husband says that I'm pessimistic and I'm, and it's interesting because I'm an enthusiastic person. I have a lot of energy and yet there's this pessimistic side to me that I don't think I'm a weird oxymoron of sorts, but you know, it's almost like if you expect the worst, worst and anything is better than that, then it's better. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, have, have low expectations. And then if it's anything else, then it's better than one. <laughs> so, so really the negativity is a way to keep yourself positive. Exactly, It's hard to explain, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't, you know, when I opened Etsy, I was actually still teaching. So actually, and I don't want to complicate the story, but I did, I was slowly tweaking as I knew my husband was getting out and we were leaving um, in the middle of the school year. I was slowly starting to you know, group my thoughts to, to the jewelry land. And so I did slowly open my Etsy while I was still teaching. So I was, I was not just like, you know, sitting in my studio, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for that sale. I was still working. And I think a lot of people who have a craft or, or a skill, um, before they switch over to that being full-time, they are actually, you know, there is another job, um, that they're doing on this, you know, before they switch. And so, you know, I wasn't totally, uh, Again, like I didn't have an expectation and I wasn't waiting around for it, but it was exciting to to get that first sale, certainly. And I think with Etsy um, being different now than back in 2012, it might not take four months, but, you know, it's it might, you know, and um, it's hard to get that momentum. But I think, you know, I've heard this and I'll say it. Friends and family is a great way to start that momentum to get that ball rolling. You know, these are not sympathy sales or whatever people want to say that truly you know, the networking and um, your friend telling their friend and their friend telling their friend because people buy from people. And so that's the place to start, you know, people who know you or your friends who can then tell their friends like, oh my gosh, yeah, she made these, you know, yeah, you know, there's a connection there and that's where it starts. So you shouldn't be ashamed of, of selling to people that, you know, it's so you want to sell to people that, you know, they're, they're the best word of mouth rather than just strangers who don't know you. Yeah, I think that's really great advice for people wanting to to get started and take their craft to the next level. Yeah. Um, so can you talk to us about what your process is like? Do you have, I think, so this question is twofold. Do you have like a routine, a ritual that you follow every day? And can you kind of walk us through like the shortened version of, of kind of a, from where you go from an 
re- an idea mm-hmm. to bringing peace into reality? Sure. So I wish I had more of a routine as far as to my, you know, being in my studio and working and, you know, from nine to, to 12. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't for that. I don't have that type of routine. My life is a little too chaotic with um, my toddler. Um, but when I do get up here, um, you know, what I, part of my creative process is definitely just is tinkering. My bench is a little chaotic. There are things kind of everywhere. You know, if I know that I need to design something new, right, or I'm I want to design something new, or I have this thing in my head. It does help to to draw. I can draw. I sketch it out. But what's so interesting for me, and I don't know if this is the case for every metalsmith, for me, once I take that idea that I've drawn or that idea in my head and I actually have my hands touch the metal or combine these elements together, it almost instantly changes. Um, And so I don't know if that's me having a different uh, idea in my head when it's on paper versus when I actually hold it and see it in my hand, but it almost instantly changes in some way, whether I change the the width of the, the, the wire that I'm working with, or I realize it needs some texture or it needs some to, to be hammered or, or um, tweaked in shape a little bit. I can't even, you know, uh, exp- I, I can't even, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know that that's what it needs until I see it in my hand holding the material. And so um, when I'm making new things, it, it takes, it's kind of an evolution of, um, you know, moving things around. This is before things are soldered or anything. And, and until I get that, that, that design that I want, that where everything kind of is the right proportion, it's this evolution. Um, and so, for example, uh, there are some enamel earrings that um, I've been working with this year. And a lot of the um, one of the signature parts to that is is almost this wire arch that attaches the enamel component to the ear wire. And I wanted uh, this summer, I wanted to dress up some of them. I wanted a little more like a, a fancier, higher end version. And I'm like, well, how am I going to do? What else can I do to this? What else could I solder to this metal arch to where it still looks like my work and my um, this you know kind of style that I have going on? And so I had these little leaves on my bench that were in other parts of my work, other completely different parts of my work. But I was like, oh, well, maybe if I use this leaf that I've used in other things and I add that to the arch, it's still totally me. And I put it together and I slid it over to the little arch and I and the enamel was sitting there and I'm like, oh, I mean, instantly it was like, yep, that's it. And I couldn't have drawn that. It's for me that I can't just draw a collection for me. It's the collection almost happens by moving shapes around that I've been in previous collections. And so my creative process in that way is like, you know, it's always been an evolution of past work and adding to it or tweet. And, and, and so it always looks like me. It always, it always has my voice. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And, and so when you're letting this evolve and you're kind of figuring things out as you go and problem solving, are you pushing this? Are you saying like, I have this deadline, I'm going to have this release. Or are you kind of just saying, I just want to see what happens. And if these get made, they get made. Well, so when these earrings that I, I was talking about um, came to life, this fancy earring idea, there was an update up ahead. And I had other um, items that I knew were going to be in the update. But I also had these shapes that I wanted um, 
to be a little bit fancier for this update. And if it didn't come together, it was okay because no one knew, no one knew that I was going to have a, you know, a certain style. Right. So this was in the middle of making, and I did have a deadline for that update. Um, and it might've been, you know, three weeks out or something, but I also, again, that low expectation, I don't want to create out of guilt. I don't want to create out of pressure. I don't do, I don't do well with that. I mean, granted when I'm prepping for a show, yeah, that's a little bit of pressure, but I'm not necessarily designing super new things. I don't think I do well there. I don't think I need time to think about what I'm designing and, and think about, do I really like this? Or am I just like, saying that's good enough. You know, I want, I want a little bit of breather room to really like be dedicated to it and really love it. Yes. And I think that social media is having a weird pressure on makers and artists to constantly be sharing things. And if it's not going well, or you're not ready, you know, you just, can't figure it out. Right. That I feel like for me, it gives me like a pressure of like, I just need to share something. Right. You know, I had, Oh man, I wish I could find, I had just read a post yesterday of someone who was, or who is, you know, struggling with the silence and the break and just, you know, you don't, um, she, she doesn't want to make for the sake of posting a picture on social media and you shouldn't do that. Um, for me, I find it important to have a presence on social media, even when I'm not making new things. But, um, you know, that's when I might post other things, a picture of my studio or some old work and talk about it or stones, like, um, just element, other elements to my creative process and my studio space. It doesn't always have to be a product. And you don't want to always just show product. You don't want to be one dimensional, one dimensional on social media with just product. You want, you want a combination of who you are and your space and all, all parts of your artistry, not just the work that you make. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It helps tell that story. And I think that helps as far as like, you know, the pressure to always make new things. Cause it shouldn't be just that. That is just who, again, I think that's the path to burnout and that's too much hustle. That's too much. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with that. So what would your tips be for someone who, who feels like they're kind of on that treadmill and they're making, 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 and they're, they're getting that pressure. What would you, how would you, um, direct them in slowing down? Well, I, you know, I, everyone's situation is different. And so for me, when I was making, 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 and just not slowing down, it was because I wanted to make money and I wanted to grow. So financially, I don't know where everyone is at. If maybe they need big sales, they need to make that, you know, I don't know. Um, but you have to take a step back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is it because I love art and I love making or is it because um, I'm making this because I need money or, you know, is the, it's hard. So for me, I had to step back and think, okay, is it worth this month to be truly frazzled and work till 2 a.m. and not spend time with my family to make X amount of dollars? Or is it okay if I make half of that so I have some, some, some breather room and some happiness and some other elements to my life without it just being go, go, go. Um, and so if you can remove yourself from, from 
that hustle and, and, and check your, you know, where you're at there. I think that could help your, the concept of, of where you're at with financials and making and, and really see, is that, yeah, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> for me. Yeah, the, it is. It, it is for yeah. me. I, I realized, okay, I actually still am making money and I'm not working as hard. And it's because you have, you have to choose, um, you have to say no to things to be able to say yes to other things. And so you can't say yes to everything. Um, and think that that's going to triple your income. You know, you just, that's nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is a really tricky line. I think um, on this podcast, we talk mostly about the creative side and not a lot about the business side, right. but I like to talk about it sometimes because I think that as consumers of creative businesses, people forget that it is just normally one person mm-hmm. working really hard, mm-hmm. you know, to do these things and, you know, wanting them to produce so much to, to like, you know, for, for us to consume as consumers, um, that we forget what that process is like on the other end. Right. Um, so as you're creating new pieces, where are you finding inspiration for those? So, um, that's, you know, I don't want to be cliche and, a lot of people find inspiration from nature. I do love being outside. And when I'm not in my studio making, um, one of the things I love doing is being outside now, South Carolina, um, the summertime being outside is a little oppressive. (laughs) So, um, but I would on early mornings, I'd take my daughter to the zoo and we would just love that. Um, but we love, you know, being in the woods or, playing in the dirt and rocks, but that doesn't necessarily equate to me coming up with a a new design. That's just refreshing for my soul. So, but as far as just inspiration and where I draw from that, I almost feel like it's just a continuing evolution of my past work because, and and here's why I don't want to fill my mind with so many other jewelry makers work for inspiration because that does, that's not my voice. And if I fill it too much with everyone else's voice, it's hard to find my own. And so I realized last year how important it was for me to truly have my own voice and my own style. I want someone to see something and instantly say, Oh, that's, that's Melissa. That's Melissa's work from January jewelry. I want that. And so I really want my own voice and I have evolved my work from five years ago, it's slowly changed and tweaked. There might be a shape that continually pops up, but it's slightly different in some way that I've, that I've, you know, again, tinkered on my bench. It's always lots of tinkering, but I think that tinkering comes from past work and the evolution of past work, because it's so important to me to have my own voice, not to say browsing on Pinterest or Instagram and bookmarking something that inspires you, how they made a, some like a connection or what that chain looks like or a combination of, of something. Not That's not bad. And I do that, but I have to be careful and everyone needs to be careful that when they do that, that, you know, you still have your own voice that you're not getting swayed too much. Like just because you like something, um, is that, is that really like your, is that really your style or, you know, so I've, 
I've really been careful about that. And I think a lot of my inspiration is just this evolution of my shapes and the things that I love and then, and, and working them. So my studio, I mean, geez, just keeping the chaos up in here <laughs> is inspiring because <laughs> things don't go away. They're still there in the corner of my bench. I'm like, Oh, I got to work with you. I still like you. I got to figure out how to do this. <laughs> Yes, I love that. That is a great um, way to explain the mess to my husband. So you just said two two super important and wise things. Right. I think you made a really great um, differentiation between what refreshes you and what inspires you. And that staying true to yourself and finding your style. We talk about this a lot on the podcast also when it get messy about finding your style. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's coming from yourself and what you like and following up on that over and over again and developing that. So I love that you made that point and illustrated that so, so well for us. Thanks. Well, and um, developing is, is a great <laughs> word too, because it really is, you know, when I say the word evolution, it is developing what you've been using, you know, what you've been making, but tweaking it and growing from that. And, and again, that development is your voice and yourself and your work. Now, if someone wanted to get started with jewelry making, what would your, what would you suggest to them? How could they start learning metal smithing and all of these kind of things? Well, as a hobby, right? So I would say, depending on uh, their experience with jewelry making and, and where they've been, I would definitely say um, try to find a local jewelry maker, um, semi-local, regional, something where you could actually visit their studio. Um, because, and this is if you truly have never, you know, seen seen what it's like. Because I and I say that because I love the concept of ceramics. I love ceramics. I collect them. I'm fascinated. And I, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally rock the wheel, and I could be a great potter. Um, no, <laughs> like, no, the, it is. So oh my gosh. Hard. Like the minute. I mean, okay. I tried, like there had been a couple of, of years even between my college ceramics class and going to, um, my friend's studio who has a, has a wheel. I'm like, okay, Marsha, I totally want to do this again. I'm just dying. And the minute I started, I'm like, oh gosh, no, I can't. This is just, this is not for me. I'm going to be an appreciator and a lover of all things clay, but this is not for me. So depending on your, uh, what you've experienced with jewelry making, if you truly have never even like picked up some pliers and a little jump ring, you need to just, <laughs> you need to try, you know, see someone's studio and see, see it in person because it might instantly be like, not your jam. You don't know. Um, so I would recommend that. And then, um, you know, if, if you've done that or if you do that, you know, and it is still something you're totally interested in, you know, tools and materials, gosh, are so overwhelming. I mean, it is, it's so overwhelming. I've had people message me, you know, where can I get some copper? Can I go to a scrapyard? Um, sure, but I just buy it off this website, you know, and it comes flat and clean. Like, some people truly don't even know, like, where you even can, you know, so that can get overwhelming. So, I, I don't know if we can recommend websites, but I would say, and this is a great company. This is um, an American company, Rio Grande. Um, the most wonderful materials. They have videos. They have so many tutorials. They have starter kits. Like, I don't, if you're going to start somewhere as far as a resource is concerned, riograndecom is your best friend. Um, 
So that would be for you to see videos on certain types of, of jewelry making, to see what's included in a starter kit of materials, because, you know, you, you get gather extra tools as you work. So you, you don't need everything right away. You just need a couple of things depending on what you want to do. And so those starter kits are great for that. And I, you know, and workshops are great. So just visiting someone's studio is great because that's probably free. But then after you see that and you might check out a couple of video tutorials, then, you know, you can invest, you know, some money in, you know, a class or a workshop. And maybe that class meets once a week for six weeks. Um, maybe that class is an intensive one week workshop. Um, there was someone I was messaging with on Instagram who we chatted and she was so excited to try something out and I encouraged her to do it and she did it and she's loving it. She took one class and hated it, which was casting, but then she took another class, which was, um, you know, act, other jewelry making elements and she loved it. So you're going to find things that you might completely hate in the jewelry world, but that other elements that you might completely love. So you just have to, you do have to invest that time and some, you know, some money, unless you have a friend <laughs> who already does it. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, and we will have all of these links in the show notes for people. So, okay. Well, so just tell me your view on slow making. Like, why is that important to our society? Why is that important that you make these pieces by hand mm-hmm. instead of just turning them out in a factory? Well, it, it, it comes down to, I think, what, what everybody values. Some people just do not value that and you can't change that person's mind. Um, so, so there's that. And you just, as a maker, don't ever be offended by someone not appreciating that. Certainly we want everyone to appreciate, um, handcrafted, um, you know, well-made things, but some people just don't. So for me, living a creative lifestyle, for me being a maker, I truly um, see the value in something that is handmade and handcrafted and uh, something that is local to support local business. I, I see that and I appreciate that. So um, for me, I am a connoisseur. Is connoisseur the right word? I, I am a consumer. Consumer. <laughs> I am a consumer to to the potter to the woodworker. I, and we love to go to our farmer's markets and we love to, even if we aren't at a show, we love to go to other shows where people are selling their work or, you know, art openings and just immersing ourselves in, in, in that culture to support others, because that's kind of the world that we live in too. And, um, it's enriching to us. We, we love it. And I, I find all of that type of life and, and, and way of, of, of business. And I find all of that so much more, what's the word? Admirable. I, I, I like it. I don't like going into Walmart. I just, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It goes back to these pieces have a story and they're connected to a person. Um, Versus the box store. And I, you know, I've had the uh, comment of someone in my house, your house is like an art, an art museum <laughs> because I have so like, many, so there are so many things in every room, something that I've bought from a maker. And I love that. Like there is so much more character in that. And I appreciate that, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be everybody's cup of tea, but because that's 
a part of my life for myself as a maker, I mean, it does kind of, you know, it definitely overflows into all the other parts to my life and, and what I love and what I appreciate. I mean, it, I can look around. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> I love and it. And I love it too. I love it. Like That's I'd much rather have something for our house. Of a per, you know, from a person. a podcast a place to go a class anything so there's so many and uh i don't know if this one is creative but i love it so this is me just being a nerd but it, it might be more business minded but i love it so i don't know if you know tim ferris he has a podcast um yes. he's a crazy dude he's cool he has a ginormous book um called tools of titans and it's literally huge it's like 800 pages it is it is a beast of a book, but it's not like a book that you read from start to finish. It's all these excerpts from his podcast. And he interviews, he interviews people who are wildly successful and he talks to them about their routines and their stories. And I honestly, I find it fascinating. It's not necessarily like creative business world, but sometimes I just, in that world, I hear too much of the same thing all the time. And I need something else to like, I just love to hear other people's stories. Um, how I, how I built this, um, is a podcast that is really, really cool. Um, the guy who Ted talks, he, it's an, it's an, it's, it's that guy, Ted, um, mm -hmm. how, how Ted. I built this is cool, but that, okay. But back to the tools of Titans book, that book, all you have to do is read an excerpt from, you know, from somebody it's like two pages and then you put the book down and you digest it. And it's literally so much amazing information and it's inspiring. It's just, it's awesome. And then, you know, another night, pick it up again, read another one. I, it's just, I, I find that to be empowering for the, for the simple fact that here I am doing my own thing. And that's the same way that they started, even if it wasn't a creative business, they still started somewhere and they're super successful and they talk about routine and life and, um, you know, having, it's great. So that's great. Um, I love Jenna Kutcher and her podcast, the gold digger podcast, G O A L not gold, goal, um, gold, goal, the gold digger. She, um, started out as a, as a photographer, um, a wedding photographer, but she has really, um, built a business to help creative entrepreneurs. So she has been super inspirational and helpful, truly like, you know, objectively helpful, um, with Instagram strategies, Pinterest strategies and encouragement. Um, she's fabulous. So, um, if you want to start somewhere that is really like topically helpful for creative businesses and she is the place to go, I highly recommend her. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have all of these in the show notes. And, you know, and I think people who are listening who are like, oh, I just want to be creative. I don't want to learn about business. But I think that, you know, I'm self-taught in, in both in my art and in my business knowledge um, and learning about each has made me better at the mm -hmm. other, you know, and so you're talking about those interviews of, you know, famous CEOs of just big companies, their routines, if we apply those as makers, oh, yeah. we can make so much more, yeah, you know, yeah. and so much better and more routinely. Um, and, and so it's definitely a balance. Like I think, like you were saying, you can't look at 
only one thing you have to expand outside of your whatever your niche is and let other the other things influence and educate you and, and you know put together your own kind of um toolkit yeah yeah um so those are great great links and some of those i don't know so i'll have to look those up um and what is new with you so this podcast will be released on um, october 16th so what can we be looking out for for you right now or in the coming future Hmm. okay so october is a cool month for makers kind of uh it's almost the the calm before the storm (laughs) if you will um november and december um is very busy um with the holidays and, um, creating for gifts and, and shows and it's super fun. So October is this, this rest mode slash prep mode. Um, but I do have some super, um, lovely things, um, in my shop right now that, um, I created for, uh, Indie Craft Parade. Um, and I sold, a, I had a great show, but I also, you know, I make so much for that show and I brought a bunch back and I thought, you know what, for the people who couldn't see me at this show, people who like my work, who live everywhere else, but South Carolina, you know, let me put this online. I've never done that before. And I'm super excited. Um, so I have, um, a really nice updated shop right now. And, um, and then I'll be making in, in November and December, I will be at May in uh, at made South, which is in Franklin, Tennessee, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And, um, I'll be at crafty feast in Columbia, South Carolina, December mm, uh, uh, 11th. It's a Sunday. Oh, that might be wrong, but it's, <laughs> It's this. Well, we'll have the information on yeah. there so people can go find us yeah. if they want to go to some pairs. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And you just released the most beautiful collab pieces. Can you talk oh, about those? Yeah. Like super, super fast. Yeah. Sorry. I need more coffee. Um, this collaboration. So Mary Hanby from 22 West Studio. She is a friend of mine. We met two years ago at a show. Um, and this is when like, you know, hashtag community over competition is like, straight up the way to live because you know she makes jewelry i'm not intimidated by that she's not intimidated by the fact that I, we are friends we love each other's work i own her pieces she owns my pieces and we just love each other's work and um we talk to each other often um about booth display and and ideas and you know a month or two ago we thought you know we really need to make something together that would be so fun so she is a textile artist, but she makes jewelry with weavings and textiles. Um, she hand makes her tassels. These are not, you know, she, she's amazing. Um, they are, they're amazing. just her, her work is amazing. And I love, I have always loved textile jewelry, um, because it's something that I don't do. And she has always loved metalsmithing jewelry because it's not something that she does her, her, in addition to her textiles, she incorporates, um, pottery with her work. I mean, it's beautiful. So, um, this collaboration is a combination of metalwork and textile. So I have a component and she has a component and it, we've designed three earrings, um, two of which are, um, brass or copper, um, metal shapes, um, these little circle pods or these little half moons. And then she's created these, you know, hand dyed, you know, handcrafted tassels that come down beautiful colors. I'm obsessed. And then the the higher end, um, piece, I created these like arches, which is a design and a style that is, you know, kind of me and her. Um, and then she did this hand weaving 
in in our oh my gosh it's just i love it so those are super exciting yes, and we'll i have I pictures think, even if they're sold yeah, out. yeah some of the the, so the color combinations are sold out um but i definitely think we're going to be doing some more collaborating um in the future so this is just the start and we think we've thought Good. about even combining our name for this collaboration so she's 22s studio i'm january jewelry we're thinking maybe this collection or this continued continuation collection of us combining our designs, we might call it January West. So that might be fun. So Ooh, I know. that sounds like um, <laughs> Kim and Kanye's next baby. Oh. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Fabulous. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's great. Well, I love it. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll actually get, so maybe for- we'll go viral, baby. You know, you never know. <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, taking time and sharing with us, Melissa. Um, I can't wait for everyone to meet you and see your work. And hopefully people will come meet you in person at all these awesome craft yeah, fairs. Yeah. If anyone who is listening lives near them or, I mean, even semi near two hours, three hours, it is worth your time to come. I mean, it is mm-hmm. amazing. They're, it's so much fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks, Lauren. All right, friend, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember, you can get all the show notes and links at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. And as always, we love to see how you're creating. And so today we talked a lot about supporting local artists. And so I would love it if you would share one of your favorite local artists. Maybe it's a piece you own by them or linking or tagging them somewhere on Instagram and using the hashtag how she creates. So we would love to see that. And so we can continue supporting other artists and local makers. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to how she creates. I would love to see how you create share what you're making on Instagram using the hashtag how she creates. If you love learning about creativity with me, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe, grab your art supplies, and I'll meet you back here next week for another episode of how she creates.